How we doing? I am your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob. Welcome to Station B.O.B. And let me tell you a little about thee. I am a kid from a Harlem hood who turned out good. I got educated like I should. Now I know how to help you grow to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. With that said, I am here to provide you with some clarity associated with the perplexity of the challenges in your life, love, and work. So, without further ado, let's get down on it. Enjoy the show. Ah, yes, how we doing? Welcome once again, my friend, to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. And as always, I am excited, enthusiastic, and filled with joy. And yet again today, I bring you another top topic. Today's topic is... Actually, I don't even have a name, a topic for this podcast because I think it's going to be that that powerful. You know how I, I often talk about how I grew up and how my mother died and my Aunt Sally took care of me and uh, my sister and, and my cousin brother, her son, and raised us. And so today is a, is a more than special podcast. Today I have Aunt Sally, a.k.a. Mont. Now, you guys got to know Aunt Sally knew me before I was Dr. Rob, so she may call me a few things other than Dr. Rob. So pray for me and let me get through this um, this discussion with Aunt Sally because today what we're going to talk about and talk about a pivotal time in my life. And and then just a tremendous sacrifice that she made as my mother's youngest sister to um, to move from where she lived to come and uh, move to where my sister and I lived to to raise us. Um, and this was all uh, as a result of you know the the sudden death of my mother, who was her sister. And without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce Mont, my Mont. Say hello, Mont. Hello, my sweet nephew. I am so grateful to be here with you today, and it's an exciting time for me also. It's also a time in my life that I have revisited many times within myself and and with you. But now it's become it's become a time when we're going to share it with many people, and it's going to help many people who have to have to have gone through or will be going through an encounter of such a type as this. God bless you. Yeah, you know, I I like the way you put that because that's exactly what it is. It was a time. You know, because I think what this podcast is really about is about, you know, family and what family can do 
for you to help, you know, keep your life in order or make it better. I don't even know the word to put on it, but I think the experience that we had during that time is all of these things and more. So let me just um, go right to it. So this is the, you know, real life situation for me. I'm nine years old, 1966, November 3rd, November 12th. So um, I'm just going to, you know, give a little brief thing about what happened as far as I know it. And then if you could, on Sally, share, you know, what was happening on your end as the adult, as the sister, and what was happening with the family that led to you um, deciding to, you know, come move in with us. So let me just say it was November 12th, 1966. I remember my mother sent me to a program on Saturday. It was a Saturday morning, and I went to that program, sort of just a Saturday kind of recreation thing. I think that was her version of the cadets because back then Joey was in the cadets, so I think she was trying to do something for me. She should have just sent me uptown to the cadets, but nevertheless. So I go to this program, and I come home, and it's nighttime now, and I'm calling out. I'm calling her at the window, Ma! Ma! And Diane comes to the window, Come upstairs, Ma is sick. So, you know, me and Diane, we used to fight a lot, so I didn't believe her, you know. And I so I just kept calling my mother. I was going, Ma! And Diane, she came to the window. She said, I said, come upstairs, Ma is sick. So it was like, you know, I said to myself, wow, you know, she must, this must be legit. You know, because I used to call my mother out the window for money, you know, because eventually you started throwing me money out the window, you know, once we got together. So anyway, I come upstairs and my mother's in a coma. And just to make a long story short, she was rushed to the emergency room and she died the next day. Boom. So now my mother's dead. Your older sister is dead. Not oldest, but the next one up, older. And so what was happening then with the family? Well, at that time, that was very, very, very serious time for the whole entire family because my sister, my sister Vera, was always very closely entangled with all of us, with with our mom and with our oldest sister, Inez. So for something like this to have occurred, it was extremely difficult for all of us but somehow or another we managed as a family to pull together as to how to handle something like this and it's big for me because I'm not sure whether uh, it was the time with Diane or my mom which you guys called dearest and we called I called her mommy we, let, we got in touch with, with my mother. And as a matter of fact, I was not at home, come to think about it. I was in Long Island. What are you talking about when, you, when you're saying this? Like, what are you speaking to? I'm trying to recall how I was informed about this. And I was in Long Island with a friend um, and we I got a phone call 
about the, the, the death of your mom. And she was in the hospital. And I came home immediately. Mm-hmm. And how we handled the situation is vague for me. But that was how I got, how I received the information. I was in Long Island and um, visiting a friend, a male friend. And I can't think of his name right now because my mind is vague about it. But that's how I was informed about the, about your mom. Okay. So, so all right. So now I just wanted to fast forward to, you know, so we have this, you know, the service, the funeral service, the whole thing. But now, you know, here are these two children, Bobby and Diane, without their mother. And so what is the family thinking, doing, you know, who's... Is anybody saying, you know, what are we going to do with these kids? Like, what's happening? What are the adults saying? Okay, well, As you can recall. Of course, uh, my 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 mom took control at that time. She was very astute, and we had uh, arrangements of the funeral parlor right around the the corner from we were raised, which was 154th Street between Amsterdam and St. Nicholas Avenue in Manhattan. And it was Jenkins Funeral Parlor, which is now in New Jersey, by the way. No, I didn't know that. I didn't didn't know that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes, it is. His son took that service over, Mr. Jenkins. And he knew our family, so he was able to give her the look that she was a very beautiful woman and it happened that I was told your dad was walking up and down between 155th Street and 153rd Street back and forth back and forth but he would not come into the funeral parlor Really? And yes he was very disturbed by that but he was unable to come in so that's, that's something that I remember being told about him. And we managed to get through the funeral parlor and the burial, which she's buried with your sister, by the way. And so we gathered in your mom's apartment where you and Diane lived. And it was mommy, Aunt Inez, Uncle Rick, you, Diane, and Joey, your cousin brother, if you will. And we were, that you children were not in the room. It was mommy, Aunt Inez, Uncle Rick. Now, I do not recall your father coming into this discussion at all. I don't remember him coming to the home at all. But if he did, it's not in my memory. And we were talking about the fact that here are two children without their mother who was raising them. Your dad was, was your dad lived here, lived in that apartment. He used to go to work from there. And we were talking and Uncle Rick said, well, I will take Bobby. Uh, I'll raise him. And I spoke up and said, no. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. So, right. wait, I just want to say, so it was me and Diane, brother and sister. So Uncle Rick, he only wanted to take me? Exactly. Okay, so go ahead. I'm sorry. He said that he 
wanted to take you. And I immediately interrupted and maybe I was out of turn or out of authoritative position, but I did. And I said, well, you know, my sister raised both of her children together. And if you're going to take one, you, you have to take both. If you're not going to take both, you're not going to take neither. Wow. You said that? Yes, I did. And, and what did he say to that? His response was, was, well, Leslie, let's get out of here. What? So he was willing to walk. Wait, you mean they lived in Philadelphia. So when he said, let's get out of here, he was talking about going back home? Yeah. Oh, okay. So at this point, the funeral service and everything had taken place. Okay, so it was a, it would have been a an appropriate time. Right, buried in Ferncliff with her daughter. Right, right. I, I get it. With Malcolm X buried up there. Moms, Mabley, Ed Betty Sullivan, and, yeah. and dearest, and Julie Garland, of- Aunt Madge. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's up it's there. A very- Yes, yeah, a very famous Aunt Tina's mother, Aunt Tina, is up yeah, look, there. Everybody buried up there except for you and I. So let's keep talking because we right now we don't <laughs> want to be up there with them. We we love and miss them, yes we do. But let's you and I are yes, still here. And by the way, just in case you didn't know it, there is an open grave with dearest. I ain't trying to get in that. That would be, but I know you're not trying to come back here. You <laughs> you you want to be laid to rest out there, right? Yes, I will be. I will be buried in a funeral in a grave uh, graveyard called Gum Spring, Texas. All right, now New York lady getting married in Gum Spring, Texas. Anybody know where Gum Spring, Texas is? If you do, let me know. Do you know where <laughs> Gum Spring, Texas is? Oh, let me just check with the audience to see if they know where Gum Spring, Texas is. Yeah, look at that crickets on 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 Gum Spring, Texas. Sorry, Mark. We <laughs> we we are not really familiar with where Gum Spring, Texas is. But if that's where you're going to be, I'll be there. If I if I you know leave here after you, if not, you may have to come see me in Ferncliff. <laughs> so why are we talking I about do. why are we talking about being buried when we're supposed to be talking about you know what was what's we, what we're talking about. You know, so Uncle well, Rick is going to well, work out. It, it, it kind of ties in with the fact that here we had my oldest sister's sister, my oldest sister's husband, my sister's brother-in-law, your grandmother, dearest, and me. And the reason we're talking about graveyards is because that's where your mother was at that time we were talking. And we needed to come to an agreement as to how her children would be raised. Wow. And so that's ended up. And so it turned out that Uncle Rick wanted to raise you, but not your sister. Your sister was older, of course, and being sort of a, a female who was pretty much ready to go and have her own decisions and walk in life, he decided that you being younger, you would be easier to raise, I assume. Wow. However. Yeah, yeah. well, that happens I, with teenagers, you know, even in adoption. Families, 
tend to not want to adopt the teenagers because of that very same reason, you know, but go ahead. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. No, no problem. Not at all. And so, of course, as I said, and I will repeat, I reminded him that your mom, my sister Vera, raised the two of her children together. And that was the way that the family would prefer for them to be raised. And with that, uh, he was not in agreement. And he was a, he was quite um annoyed that that was not going to be the procedure that we decided on because my mom your dearest did not say oh no 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 let him go with Aunt Inez and Uncle Rick my mother didn't say that my mother was very quiet so what do you when think I spoke. okay so do you think she was quiet because she agreed with you or she was just quiet because of what she was quiet because she agreed with me. My assumption is that she was quiet because she agreed with me because uh, that's what I, I assume. I cannot say, of course, but I assume that she did uh, have respect for the fact that your Uncle Rick was taking good care of my your Aunt Inez and uh-huh. they had a home. So I don't think that she that it would be anything other than a good place for you to go. But I also know that she loves the fact that your sister and you should be together. That's my assumption. Right, right. Of course, here it is in here now. So anyway, uh, he was uh, he was a little, uh, uh, can I say, annoyed or, 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 or upset. Or you say whatever you think, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there, but go ahead. I want you to say what the truth, what your feelings were, what your thoughts were. That's what this is about. Like, what was going on at that time as it relates to... I was feeling... I was feeling uh, not... I I didn't feel good about his his thoughts. And that's why I spoke up. I felt that he could appreciate the way that my sister, your mom had raised her children and that he should respect that. And when he didn't, it, it, it brought up um, my aggressive approach toward the situation, which was, well, if you can't take both of them, don't take either one of them. And that was pretty bold of me. Um, and I didn't even realize what I was saying at the time. I guess my feelings got involved there. Right. But let me ask you this. Why would you say that's pretty bold, was pretty bold of you? Is it because of the time? Is it because that he was a man? I mean, because to me, that sounds like a normal, because I'm understanding what you're saying, but I'm also saying that that sounds, that was supposed to be a heated discussion. You know, when you're talking about taking somebody's kids, you know, everybody doesn't want the kids or they might want one like Uncle Rick did. So why are you thinking that that was aggressive on your part because he was a man or, you know, like what was happening there that, because I think you did the right thing, but go ahead. Well, I think it was a combination of me at that time being a single mother myself. And that's the bold part. And also to speak to him with such, uh, uh, it's, for lack of a better word, 
that word bold again or aggressive approach to what I said and what that meant, what I said, what it meant, because it meant, no, you don't have that position. I was, I was taking him down from his position Ooh, as a man. Yeah, yeah. And Uncle Rick was a, he was a pretty tough character, but remember? Yes, Rochelle. Uncle Rick was no joke, but you know, I'm so glad that you did that, you know, because, um, I mean, I don't know how it would have turned out, but I know that when I, even when I look back now, you know, no, no disrespect to Philadelphia, but I, I am glad to have grown up in Harlem. You, you know what I mean? There's just something about that. And so, so, I'm just glad that you that you were aggressive and assertive. So, okay, so what happened now? He left. Did, did he stay? What so happened? he said, come on, come on, Ned, let's get out of here. Did he leave? I can see that whole room. I can see him saying that. I oh. can see him and her getting up to leave. I can actually see it as I close my eyes. Wow, wow. So, hold so, on. I, I want to ask you another question, but I have to let a promo in. So, let me do that, and we'll pick it up on the other side. Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling. In this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and back to the show. All right, welcome back. So, before we left, let the promo in, I was trying to ask you the question, did Uncle Rick leave? Did, I mean, did they actually leave? Actually leave? My my vivid picture, as I was saying, I can see the room, the bedroom. Uh-huh. I can see Derek sitting on, if you will, if you face the room, the right side of the bed, me on the right side of the bed. Aunt Inez and Uncle Rick on the left side of the bed if you face with the head of the bed facing the window. You you really taking us right into the room there. Did he leave is the question. And talking, we were sitting on the bed and talking and he said, Come on, Nessie, let's get out of here. And they got up and they left. Wow. 
So now what? Okay, so two, now. Two, two minus two potential parents out the door. Who who's left? Dearest, myself, and you kids. No, I'm talking about in terms of options for for taking, you know, responsibility for me and Diane. I'm just trying to think now. And so, because I'm going to skip a little bit to something. Because I worked for an international insurance company, which is down, which was down in old New York, where there were still cobblestone streets, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I had convinced your mother to take out life insurance. She was, I don't need life insurance, blah, blah, blah. But she did. Praise God that she did. Uh-huh. But her insurance was able to take care of her burial and you and your sister. And so what, so, okay, I decided being a single mother, that I would come with my son, Joey, to come and live with you guys. Because I said to dearest, I said, what are we going to do now? I live in a one-bedroom apartment in the Bronx. And there's a there's Vera's apartment. And so I said, Mommy, what do you think if I come to live there? And she said, well, if it's easier for you and we can see how that will work out. So somehow or another, God allowed us to come to live there through the policy and procedures of the New York City Housing Authority. Oh, you had to, you had to go through that. Let me just ask you this. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to ask you a question. Do you know, or can you remember if, if my father ever tried to, um, you know, stake a claim. I do not recall that ever. Okay. okay. No, I was just curious. It doesn't I matter. I really don't. I, I, I think, because even when you first asked me about doing this, I said, let me see, because he, you mentioned that your dad came and said something about taking you. And I, I don't, if it did, it's completely blank okay, in my mind. Spirit is not here to confirm that. Uh-huh. But I don't, I don't remember that. Okay, so what I remember, and um, and I'm just going to share, and you tell me what you what you re- recall, if anything, about this. And I don't know if I remember it more so than it was told to me. You know, I'm not sure because, I, you know, as you said earlier, you know, there were no children in on the discussion of, how you guys were going to dibby up the children there. But what I believe, or because I do remember my father coming to the house. I do remember that, but I wasn't a part of the discussion. And I also remember him leaving, but the middle part, which would have been the discussion, that part I wasn't a part of. But from what I can recall about that time, was that he too, you know, came to the house and was given the option about taking the kids, but he wanted to take me and not Diane. Does that ring a bell in your mind? No. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. No. 
All right, but, you know, like I said, I remember that he came to the house, and I also remember that he left, you know what I mean? And that's neither here nor there. That's just what I can recall from that time some 55 years ago. Well, I would say that's more than here nor there because that's a very important point to have. That's a very important time to have incurred in your life because if he did say that, why would we not have dearest and me or dearest or or me not have allowed that to have happened being your dad? No, so what that, I'm saying is I, I, I said that he did not want Diane either. So that would have been why you would have done that, I believe. No, that. That's exactly what, that's exactly the opposite of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if he, if, if Robert Dad Garnier Sr. had said he wanted to take his son, Dearest and I, I'm sure, would have said, okay, because that's his dad. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense, uh, theoretically, but thank God that didn't happen. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) But anyway, and know how. So here we are now, uh, where you two were going to be raised, where you know your mom was raising you, and we went through the policy and procedures of NYCHA, and things worked out. And I went to the surrogates court, and because praise God. Your mom did listen to her little sister, and she did have life insurance. And we went to my mom, dearest, and I went down to surrogate's court, and we opened accounts where the money that was coming from the insurance policy will go into an account for you and into an account for your sister. Uh-huh. I, remember, I remember those times. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And so then, uh, since I came there with my son, your cousin, Joey, Joseph James Washington III, to be exact, we, he, he was, uh, enrolled into public school 121 across the street from there. Right, right. However, I- you were attending a public school down in the um, PS, PS 158. I was, I went to yes, down, down in the, um, Oh God. In the, in the, in the Yorkville. In the, yeah, Yorkville it, was it, was, for the, it was for the Yorkville in vicinity. Right. Because I had, I had a friend who, by the way, a very dear friend, Dr. Sylvia Frank, who lived in that area, but she, but she and I were not friends at that time. Yeah, that's way before. So, so um, anyway, uh, it turns out that when there was, uh, so we, so we decided that we would live there, the three of us, the four of us. And Diane, your sister got uh, herself involved into um, drugs and somehow she got arrested and was incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And um, so this was what we had to deal with also. 
but God blessed us. We managed to get through that. And there we were living together in 210 East 102nd Street, apartment 5D. And you had to learn, and Joey and I, we had to learn what it meant to live together as a family. And I took on the responsibility of a mother of two boys. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful that God had allowed me to do this and I continued working at Mount Sinai and we had our time together. We would, uh, uh, and I enrolled you into New York City Mission Cadet Society. Yeah, finally made it to the cadets. But let me ask you this, let me ask you this though. I wanted to ask you, so what was it, you know, was it, was it like a big deal for you? Did you go through any, um, you know, kind of like, damn, I got to give up my place to go raise these kids. Like, what was happening with you? You know, what were your thoughts about having to make nope. such a? This uh, was this was this was uh, it was an amazingly easy transition because it just so happened that my sister Vera and I we always were together. Anyway, I would come to visit her and spend time with her and she and I really were what you would call best friends. Mm-hmm. Even when I lived in the Bronx. So, and so, so it wasn't a big deal for you? So that's, that's what I was getting ready to say. This transition for me was one that was, there was some mixed emotions because I had to, take my son out of the school that he was attending and I had to rearrange my what to do with the little bit of furniture that I did have I had to just readjust my life and so there was some emotional concerns as to is this right what am I doing how do I get involved in this but (laughs) yet yet with all of this God was in control because little did I know this was a plan that he had for my life. So when you say that this was a plan uh, for your life, like what do you mean that this turned out to be a plan for your life? This was an unbeknown plan for my life. And I'm speaking now, I'm sorry, I had to bring the spirit into this. But it's something that was happening to me that little did I know was just it was okay for it to be happening because it worked out so smoothly. Uh huh. Wow. And so, because it worked out so smoothly, I just transitioned down there from the Bronx into what we thought was sort of a, can I say, a little tiny bit of suburbia in its own way. But in the Bronx? Down in the East Coast. <laughs> in the Bronx. Because uh, at oh. that time, Oh, yeah, 76 East Tremont Avenue. It was nice up there. It was very nice. And at that time, it was a combination uh, of diversified community. And so there I was transitioning down into a community that was very different from where we had been living. It was okay. 
as I was saying, because I always did come there to visit your mom. So we knew how to get there and get up on the trains and uh-huh. buses and, and learn how to travel there, which we did. It was emotionally different for me and for your cousin. Uh, we had to just rearrange our life. And right. we left our environment uh-huh. to come to your environment. And that was and huge. It that was, was very huge. hard because I did not. It was very hard because I knew this was a very, very sensitive, emotional time for you. And your sister was incarcerated. And here comes these two people coming into your home where you had lived. You were a little boy, nine years old. Well, how was I? How was I, you know, do you recall, like, how, you know, was I walking around in, like, an emotional stupor because I lost my mother? Like, was I, did I seem to be in a good place? I never what? You never never allowed yourself to expose your inner feelings. Wow, it's inter- you know, it's interesting that you would say that because, uh, you know, back then I do recall being, you know, I was a quiet guy, but I, I was quiet and I was shy. But I remember being at my mother's funeral just crying profusely. And I remember being removed from the funeral and Aunt Madge sat with me in the limousine because, you know, I was disturbing the service. You know, once they start playing that music, wah, 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 I, I remember, <laughs> I remember just that music tore me up, and I remember crying. And I guess, you know, that may have been, you know, because I had to, you know, a good cry, if you will, you know, just in. I'm not talking about it. It was good, but to release myself, you know, in, yeah. that, you know, in that way. And then somehow, I mean, I really don't know how I got over, you know, the, it's not, I mean, you never get over the the loss of a parent, especially at nine years old. But I'm saying now that in the work I do as a social worker, children lose a parent, a grandparent, heck, they lose their turtle and they're devastated. And so I don't know, like, what happened because like, you know, like you said, I didn't, you know, release it. But I think I did because I wasn't troubled by it. Usually when people, you know, hold things in, they act out. And I don't, you know, you would know better than me if I was acting out. This this is why I said you suppress, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. whatever it was that you were feeling. You would answer if asked something. You ex- you you allowed. I think that's the right word. You allowed us to invade your home, and when we invaded it, it came from us as a support coming to mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. We came to help you get over <laughs> this yes, big. Yeah huge loss and there were things that happened in your life that you did not talk about until later on when you felt strong enough to say it for example when we would sit down to eat 
I would make sure that if Joey got five peas on his plate, you got five peas on your plate. If Joey got a chicken wing, you got a chicken wing. Until one day, I could feel you looking at me and my back was turned. This is what I felt. Uh-huh. And I said aloud, whatever goes on you two guys' plate is what goes on your plate. I never again will measure. And I started serving you with glee because I released that tension that I was feeling yeah, that yeah. I would be sure that nothing was done without equal equality. And Joey's dad and Joey's dad made sure that whatever he did for Joey, he did for Bobby. And that he did. I, I could never Uncle Joe he was, listen, I'm lost for words because that he did. There's no question, you know. And no so wait. So, so later on you said, oh, I never will forget you let Joey sit in my chair and it was my chair. And I said, Bobby, I never, <laughs> I never knew that was your chair. Why you didn't say something? <laughs> and you said, and I was a good swimmer, and everybody said Joey was the best swimmer. <laughs> oh, my God. What are you going to do with these damn kids? Even Dr. Rob, <laughs> even Dr. Rob behaved like that. That's, see, that's crazy. <laughs> and, and, um, and so you guys were these little guys out in front where you had a beautiful front lawn to play on, playing football, and Bobby would get himself all dirtied up, even though he wasn't the real rough football player, and he'd come upstairs so his clothes would look like he was playing the yeah. best football. Oh, yo, that's in the funny. Whole that's funny you know why that's and funny? Then, Hold up. You know why that's funny? Because Bobby, it sounds true. And then Bobby, Dr. Rob, would cry and say, Well, I just took a bath yesterday. Why are you making me take another bath? <laughs> That is so, crazy. All right, we're so supposed to be talking about moving in together. You're talking about me not wanting to take a bath. Okay, you can go there. It's all good. <laughs> wow, that's amazing because you're telling me things about myself that I did not know, and that's what I really wanted to happen. Like, how was I, you know, in response to, you know, the loss of my mother and, you know, how that was not only for me, but how was it for you? So, I want to thank you for for doing that and you know just sharing those you know uh, those things that we should talk about after the podcast. I want to thank you for sharing sharing those things. But I also just want to really say thank you so much for that that sort of sacrifice that you made to come and take care of me and Diane. I mean, it was I you know I have the words for it, but the words wouldn't really measure up to the feeling I have for it. And I just really want to say, you know, 
thank you so much because as a child, you don't know what's going to happen if you have to move out of the neighborhood. You know, had I had to go to Philly or, or, or you know, even with my father, God forbid, you know, I'm glad my father was in my life, but I, I would have been a different person, I think, if I was would have been raised by him. And so the fact that you moved in, you know, there with me and, you know, Diane, and we could have our same friends and be in our same house because we had already dealt with enough in terms of the sudden death of our mother. I mean, I cannot thank you enough for, you know, not only the sacrifice of you moving, but then the life, you know, that you gave me, you know. And we had our ups and downs, you know, that's the... That's all a part of family life and all of that. But I'm just saying the life with the cadets and Camp Chaperon and and the trips that we took and, you know, traveling with the Warriors to those, you know, musical competitions and just everything. Thank you is not enough, but that's all that we know to say. And I just want to say thank you for that sacrifice, for everything you did. And... I, you know, I probably didn't show any emotions. Like you said, I probably held it in. But my life was really so good after the death of my mother. I I don't, you know, I think that's what happened. I think I just got caught up that things never slowed down. I mean, in the projects, you go outside to play. It's 500 people out there. You don't have time to be sad. You know, people bothering you, people chasing you, people tagging you, say, hey, you want to race? You want to do this? You want to play kick the can? You don't want to do this? Hey, they're doing this over there. Oh, they go to the ice cream man, Mr. Softy. Oh, the fire hydrant was on. It was just too much for me to, to be sad. <laughs> you know it was it was amazing. I mean, you gave me well, just an amazing if life. Huh? If I may interrupt for just a moment. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, yes. You're on the well, show, too. You can go ahead. You can get two or three words in here, so. <laughs> One of the things that happened was this was a new uh, set of buildings. And the people in this set of buildings, this 210, 220, uh, they became a family because everyone there was new. So everyone there... Uh, like the Johnsons, like Miss Vivian, like Miss uh, Miss Clee, and Ms. all these Ms. people became close friends. Yeah. And so Miss Clee would say, "If you don't behave yourself, I'm gonna tell your mother." And she would tell me or tell your mother, and you would get a spanking from the whole project. Yeah, so Miss Johnson was no joke. had a hundred children, and all of those children were upstairs in her apartment, downstairs in our apartment, there was Miss Katie with Funky, and it was just a, 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 a 15-story buildings with all these families that came together. And so it was this love because everybody knew your mother, everybody knew you and your sister, and there was this love that was uh, uh, exudingly coming towards you and helping you through this devastation. And like we said, this, 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 the night of housing at that time were a great place to live. There was this beautiful playground. The grounds were kept clean. It was a whole different environment. And yet, like you said, 
you and your sister were able to stay where your mom had raised you. You were born there. Yeah, your mom much, left yeah. from there going to have you that same apartment. And so for you to be raised as an infant there, it was a, a, a big, beautiful, uh, uh, can I say, gift, spiritual gift that you were able to stay there and your mom was born. But the person who came there was one that you knew it was no stranger because yeah, we had yeah, been yeah. in your life. Yeah, it was it was you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was yeah, it wasn't like a because even I'm just saying hypothetically, I don't know, but if it was on Anna's and Uncle Rick, although I knew them, you know, they were family, but it was different that it was you because, you know, of the relationship you had with my mother and the time that we all spent together. I mean, I remember many a nice you know, coming to stay at Tremont Avenue in the Bronx. And then even when you guys were at Deere's house, and then when you had your first apartment across the street from Deere's house, remember that over there with um, your friend, Sandy, (laughs) what was her name? Sandy or Sandra? Oh no, Nancy. No, I had a friend named Nancy and I had Marlene and Martina and I had, I thought um, it was Sandy. Lisa. I thought her name was light skinned woman. She had a mole on the side of her face. That was that was that was Nancy. Oh Nancy. See what happens to your little kid, you even get your names wrong. I thought her name was Sandy for fifty years in terms of her name is Nancy. Well No, she all the people on that block were people who owned their own brownstone beautiful buildings. So every single building on that block were owned by uh, 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 African-Americans, every wow. single one of wow. them, except when we got down to the corner of St. Nicholas Avenue, which the supers were African-Americans that took care of those two buildings. One was a red brick building and one was a white brick building. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I remember. Well, Aunt Sally, Mont, I'm a, I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to wrap the show up. But just before I do, I just wanted to say thank you so much again. I, I think thank you is just not um, the word that would, you know, match my feelings and gratitude and appreciation for what you did because I'm, I'm still even friends with uh, some of the main core friends that I had with growing up you know, at 210 East 102nd Street. But I just wanted to know, are you okay with the way I turned out? And, or is there anything you want to say before we wrap up the podcast? No, it, it's quite amazing how, though you were raised by an aunt and not your dad, uh, who was in your life after a while and not by your mom, but you managed to get through you got a job as a young person. We sent you to college and you said, oh, no, I'm coming back home. I don't want to be that far away. And you came home, but you went to Fordham. You went to uh, NYU. And you had your feel, oh, my God, with diabetes. But yet, but yet, you came through it all. You came through it all. We were grateful for Dr. Ginsburg, who helped to save your life. 
Uh, grateful to Uncle Connie Rupp running up and down the hallways with your blood. Yeah, and here you are today yes. having, yes, we have another, we have a part two we have to do to continue this. And here you are now in the Yeshiva University, ready to receive one day your PhD. So I would be bold enough once again to say that with the lifestyle that was set before you as an example of how important education is, because I too have my master's degree in social work, has influenced your desire to learn to the learning environment. And I'm just grateful that God has allowed us to see this far that our life has turned out to be one, to be magnified because we have done very well with any odds that came against us. Wow. Well, with that said, I guess we can call it a wrap. And I just want to thank you so much again. And thank you also for coming on to the podcast to share that time, you know, with me in the audience, because what, you know, what I really intended to do here was just have this story told in a way to help people understand that no matter what happens to you, that you, you can find a way through love and support to continue to live a a good life or to find your way to a good life. And really, you know, my mother died when I was nine. And the point here is that again, it doesn't matter how you start. What matters is how you finish. And so the early part of my life, as tough as it, if it, as it was with my sister passing away, my mother, then I get diagnosed with diabetes. Still in all, I could say that it has been a great, great life. And most of all, I have to thank you for making that beginning part of my life not as bad as it first started out. And with that said, Remember, love is an action, not a word, and it's not supposed to hurt. Until we meet again, I'll talk to you later. Don't hang up yet. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before if you have any questions about this topic please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com see my website relationshipreadiness.org to learn more about my counseling consulting and educational programs related to life love and work finally in the words of the late great reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.